Today, on Commitment to Truth. To have a renewed mind, you gotta quit, you gotta quit holding on to stuff, and you gotta learn to have a short memory. Because your mind will go back to old things. If you're still holding on stuff from the past, you are inhibiting your mind from being renewed. Because the love of Christ does not keep an account of wrong. And if you want to have a renewed mind and walk a new walk, you got to learn to have a short memory. Because that's what he has towards us. Welcome to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Each week, Pastor Cedric Brown and the pastoral team at Commitment Church strive to draw you into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, we continue a series titled, By the Book on Ephesians, A New Community. In this series, our pastoral team will take us through the entire book of Ephesians to encourage us to understand our new community identity and to practically walk it in real life. Here is Pastor Cedric, lead pastor of Commitment Church, with today's message. So we are continuing in a, a verse-by-verse study in the book of Ephesians. And my hope is that you read through chapter uh, three, uh, where Paul was uh, praying for the church. And, and I believe that it should be a prayer of all of our hearts uh, for the church, which also includes you. And as a reminder, our purpose of the sermon series is this. Uh, we're enjoying a book of uh, study on Ephesians to encourage the body of Christ to understand uh, their new community uh, and the identity within this community to practically walk in it uh, in real life. So we've exploring some uh, deeper uh, topics that is related to the core of our faith in Christ is that we are redeemed in Christ. We are sealed into the day of redemption in Christ. We're fully resourced in Christ. We believe uh, a faithful life in Christ is, is possible in Christ. Uh, we, we love just as he loved us, and we've experienced this supernatural love in Christ. So as a reminder, again, there's been two segments we've been uh, navigating through. The first we've completed last week, which is that there's this new community. There's this new community that we are part of, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But then uh, this week, we're going to start understanding, because we are part of this new community, there's a new way we should be walking. There's a new way we should be living life. So if you can, open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to be in verses 1 through 32 today. Actually, the entire chapter of Ephesians <clears throat> chapter 4. As you turn in there, this word walk that you're here within this chapter is defined this way. Uh, it's to live. Right? It's to live. So it's not merely just walking, okay? It's to live. It means to progress. It's to make or do, make do our use of opportunity. So in other words, God's going to give you supernatural opportunities every day of your life. And there is a responsibility to be a good stewards of the opportunities in which God has given you. One opportunity is he woke you up. What are you doing with it, Right? Uh, so there's an opportunity every day to honor him, to glorify him. But it also means this, to regulate one's life. So life shouldn't just be all over the map. 
there should be some regulations. There should be some guardrails, right, according to righteousness and good deeds that we should be governing our life by. We should also uh, understand that this word walk means to conduct oneself. How do I conduct myself in this thing called life? And lastly, to pass one's life. So again, the word walk, as you hear it, it has all these different nuances. So it's more than just walking, putting one foot in front of the other. It's about you living the fullness thereof in your life that he has assigned for you. And all of us only have a limited time. I, I like to always remind us, especially at home-going services, is that there's something you'll always find on someone's headstone. The date of their birth and the day of their, their death, right? But there's something also included, and that's this dash. In other words, that is the time frame in which how someone lived their life. We all have a dash account. Our challenge is how then are we going to live our dash? Right? What would people say of us when we're gone is going to be hinged upon how we live our life while we still have breath. Amen? So, uh, today, again, we're going to identify and uncover some truths to help us describe our new life. And there's several of them, and we're going to begin the first four today. Let's look at verses 1 through 6, again, in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, this is the Apostle Paul, again speaking, um, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness with patience bearing one another in love being diligent to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace there is one body and one spirit just as you also were called in one hope of your calling one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So here we find our first uh, step, if you would, to take in this new walk. It is this, is that I think everybody has to come to the realization that you're called. <coughs> you're called by God. Many times this word calling or being called is, it, the shingle is, is hung outside my door, right? Those professional uh, people of God, those who are, I'm a minister, I'm a pastor, I'm a reverend, I'm a whomever, uh, that has been, titles have been assigned to, but once you've put your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, you're called. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, set apart for good works. You are a saint, believe it or not, no matter how much you think you're not, all right? So, Let's go deeper. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling. The word worthy means this, in a manner that is suitable and justly. So you're called, and there's a way you should conduct yourself. It's a way that is suitable and is justly or just as you should be. The word calling also means this. It means the divine invitation to embrace salvation of God. So there's this calling, beckoning, saying, hey, come. No one can come to the Father unless he, what, draws them. So, so today, if you've put your, your faith, again, in the finished work of Jesus, you've answered the call. 
You've answered the divine call of putting your faith and trust in Christ, which is salvation, the salvation of God. All right. So, so that's that first part of the calling is that you must come to him. All who are weary and burdened and laden and you'll find what? Rest for your soul, not for your mere body, but for your soul. The inward part of man. This next word is important to define is the word called. So you have calling. He's calling you to come. He's calling you to participate in this salvation, to uh, enjoy this salvation. But you're called. The word called means this, to give someone a name to, a name to someone. So he has named you what? Son of God, daughter of God. You're a child of God. You're the family of God. You're brothers and sisters, right? So you're now part of this new family, this new community, right? Where he is the head, he is the daddy, right? So you're called by name. So the beautiful part about it is there's many Cedrics in the world, but there's only one Cedric Brown who stands here in front of you. And, and it's defined by, yeah, where I grew up, who I was born uh, through, mothers and fathers, siblings, and etc. <clears throat> but ultimately, it lands on my calling and being called by whom? The one true living God. It trumps it all. Called also means this, to bear, name our title, which we covered. It says, to call someone in order that he may come or go. Doesn't that sound like our faith? Come here, son. Come closer. Oh, by the way, now as you've come to me and you're understanding me, now it's time for you to do what? Go. And, and that's beautiful to really uh, understand today because many times we come to God and then we just stay where we are. We all have a responsibility to always be going. Going into our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, the almost parts of the world. Now listen, you may be called to Jerusalem, but what are you doing in Jerusalem? You know, you may say, well, I don't have much time. I'm, I'm a mommy and, and you know, the kids are just pulling me and tugging at me. Well, what are you doing with the other mommies that you're with? Are you going? Are you just playing? Are you going while you're on the job and you're, you're laboring for 10, 8, 12, whatever hours a day, a week, or whatever it may be? Are you going on the job? You don't necessarily have to go somewhere to a foreign country, though some of us, God will also call us to that. But are you going where you are? Are you just stuck or just on pause and just enjoying this beautiful privilege of, of salvation that's found in God through Christ? We all should be going somewhere. Listen, you and I have been given by God a divine invitation to embrace salvation. So today, two people probably need to be reminded of this. One, reminded if you've never put your faith and trust in Christ. Salvation is there for you. Come. But then there's another group who's already come. And you need to come to a place that you remember and you accept that who you 
are and who you're called to be. Never forget it. You've been divinely called by God to conduct yourself justly and suitably of a believer in Jesus Christ. If you forget your call, you're going to forget how suitable you should be acting. Never forget the call. It's kind of like this. If a man forgets that he, walked out, he proposed and walked down the aisle with his wife, that means he can justify being and doing whatever he wants. You have been divinely called by God to come and also go somewhere. If you've already come, are you going? If you haven't come, come, because he's drawing you. And surrender your life to him and put your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And understand that Jesus Christ came to die. He was buried and he rose again just for you. And salvation is yours because of this. Come, 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 come. And if you've already come and you understand that, why aren't you going? Because you're called to. Secondly, we find in verses 7 through 16, it says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives the captives. He led captive the captives and he gave gifts to people. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, some as teachers. Now I want to pause something because there's a misnomer that says, oh, you can have the fivefold ministry, fivefold. Wrong. Look at the text. It says some. If you had all these, you'd be Jesus. <laughs> very clear. It's very clear. Is this someone who's being prideful and think that they're more than they are? Come on now. Can you imagine if someone had all the gifts, had everything that, ne that is needed to keep the body together? You're now calling yourself Jesus. He's the only one capable of doing that. A little footnote there. It's important to understand what the what the scripture says, some means what? Some of, as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the working of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Whew. As a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head that is Christ from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, not just one joint, 
Every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, causing the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Now you see the calling expanding, saying, okay, you're a joint. You're part. You have an obligation. Why aren't you going? Looking for a perfect church? Won't find it. And here's the beautiful part about this next truth of <clears throat> this new walk. Have this new calling, which leads to, should lead to, uh, a new walk, which is unifying. But how do we become a community that is unified? Look at verse 13 again. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. In other words, every part, every piece, every parcel of the body of Christ should be working out their calling to ultimately attain unity of the faith. If we as a community of God are not attaining the unity of the faith, it says that some parts are missing or some parts are not in operation or some parts are just doing whatever they want to do. The word unity means this, that our new walk should allow all of us to come to a place of agreement, of oneness, and there should be a bond. You may say that's totally impossible. I can't even agree with my wife or my husband or my kids or my parents. I can't even agree with my own siblings. I can't agree with people that I've known for years. Well, it's because everybody wants their own way. But it's not until everybody agrees upon what he agrees upon, and then we can, never, we can then agree together, and there's genuine oneness. So listen to the fruit of unity that we read through in verses 13 through 16. There should be a knowledge of Christ, spiritual maturity. We're not easily deceived. We speak truthfully in love, underlying <clears throat> in love. You can speak truthfully, but love is not attached to it. That even happens in the church. I'll tell you the truth, but where's the love? The whole body is fit together. The whole body is held together. The whole body is supplied for. Every part of the body is working. The entire body grows as it is built up in what again? Love. So yes, unity is obtainable. Unity is there. He will never tell us to be one. He will never tell us to have a bond. He will never tell us to agree if it wasn't possible. But there's this need for apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip us to get there. But it's possible. So today, if you, you feel that I can never agree with anyone in the church, or why does whatever have their own agenda, and why can I get my way? Well, chances are we're not working collectively or you are not working purposefully and intentionally 
to agree with what God agrees with. What causes disagreement in the church is, I want to get my way. I think it should be this way. This is my opinion. Versus what is God's opinion? What does he want? And the wonderful part about this is that he has given us the clear guideline. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations. For not doing that, absolutely disagree. If it is being done, don't complain about it. But figure out how do you fit in it and what you can do about it yourself what is my working part about it not oh I can't believe it. it's not done as well you do it what well, we should be well you do it well nobody's helping me so what who helped Jesus well we should be well we, we, I wish we had a minute well you created as long as it is causing you in this church to go into all the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ and if it's not being done and you're sitting around disagreeing with something else is being done, you're causing disunity. Now, if we're preaching heresy, if we're not going and we stand put, complain until Jesus turns this church upside down. But if it's not done the way you want it to be done, now you're causing disunity. Versus saying, okay, well, it's not being done that way. Well, where do I fit in? Maybe you're the part. Then equip yourself to get it done. Unity is possible <clears throat> if a group of people are about Christ and Christ alone. Amen. So different than your marriage. Once, once you try, start drifting apart, we learned that yesterday, right? You go on your, your own agenda, you're different. You're different, right? We learned. You're totally different. Did God make a mistake? No. But you drift apart because it's about your agenda. It's about your needs. It's about you. Then you drift apart. Happens in the church. But if we remain the church, that is about the great commission, the great commandment. What is that or disagree about? Oh, maybe we should have a Saturday night service. Okay, are you willing to come? I mean, that's how weird it can get. Well, you know, if I would come to church, we had last Saturday night. So, okay, well, why don't you start it? Why don't you go? That's how simple it is to maintain a spirit of unity. It's okay. It's different. Different is good. Different is good. 
different makes us all more like Jesus. And that's what we're in this for. Our new walk always agrees, even when there's disagreement. Why? It's because we agree to be unified. There, are we disagreeing? But you know what? I'm not going to allow this disagreement to separate you and me. So we're going to agree to agree. We're going to agree to remain united no matter what. I see, unity then says, it's the agent that causes what? And this is one of the biggest part of a church and a human body. Listen, if, if you're, anybody have groin pains? I'll never forget sitting in a doctor's office having groin pains in my knee. And one of the things I took away from this was, he says, well, his leg is outgrowing his joint. That's why he's having pain. Unity is the agent that causes growth, both personally, church-wide, and make up this word, kingdomly. You follow me? In other words, you grow when you maintain unity. Because you need the person that you disagree with. Unity helps a local church grow. Disunity will cause the church to be dysfunctional and stop growing. We see it all the time. Crumbling and complaining and disagreement. And before you know it, it crumbles. From within, not from without. Unity also allows the kingdom to be multiplied exponentially beyond a local assembly. We can't play in the same sandbox, unfortunately, today as the kingdom of God. Because we can't agree on the kingdom work. It's sad. Our new walk also, and shouldn't look like our old self. Verses 17 through 22. I won't read it just for the second time, but I'll give you some excerpts. Verse 17 says this, you are to no longer as the Gentiles, no longer walk as the Gentiles walk. Gentiles, again, it's, it's categorized many times as um, non-Jew, but also as non-believers. Those two categories of Gentiles will be expressed. So in this case is non-believers. So you should no longer walk as the non-believer also walk. Rid yourself of the old self. No longer means this, to no more, not even as an entreaty and a command. This is simply saying, I'm asking you and I'm commanding you not to longer walk the way you used to, period. You should not look the same. And if you're around old friends and they say to you, oh, you're, you're the same old if they're not saying, hey, what's different about you? You look too much like the old you. And something needs to change. The old self means this. There's this notion of weakness by which man is led into a mistake or the prompting of sin. So if you go back to the old self, you will continue to make mistakes. So if you're continuing to make mistakes, chances are you are so in love with the old you. 
if you find yourself being tripped up and you're sinning over and over again, there's some connection to you wanting and longing the old you more than you long for the new you. You have a new lover. If, if, listen, if, if you had some love affair with someone prior to marriage and all you do is keep following around on Facebook, guess what's going to happen? You're going to fall out of love with your spouse and, and be latched on to that person who had a part of your heart then. It's the same way with your soul. Why keep playing around with a former lover? And think you won't be tempted and think you won't fall into sin. A right. new walk shouldn't look like the old self. If you still have old habits, if you still got a chip on your shoulder, if you still got a flippy tongue, if you still, you know, well, you know, it's just me. No, it's not just you. You're a child of the living God. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Here's a description of the old self. Verses 17 through 22, it says, there's this futility of mind, darkened in understanding, excluded from God, ignorance, hardness of heart, callousness, indecent behavior, impurity, greediness, corrupted with lust. Our new walk should never, ever resemble our old self. One of the best compliments I think I ever get is like, man, said are you a preacher? <laughs> you know what they're saying, right? Dang, I remember who you used to be, but you're different now. It used to startle me. <laughs> And I used to be like, dang, who, who was I then? But apparently there's something different now, right? Lastly, we find in verses 23 through 32, again, I challenge you to read through the entire book of Ephesians, okay? But I just need to uh, be sensitive to your time. So verses 23 through 32, here's our last point, is one, uh, one's new walk or our new walk is to renew our minds you cannot have a new walk you cannot get rid of the old self unless you are renewing your mind look at verse 23 it says you are to be renewed in the spirit of your minds put on the new self so there's effort you see renewing there's effort putting on there's what effort you, listen you can go to bed with your clothing on that you have on today and then chances are, <laughs> depending on how active you are, uh, there's, there's, there's a little, some stuff that's going to follow you over a period of time, right? That who you used to be the day before, how you used to look, how you used to dress, etc. So there's this need that you need to put some effort into it, right? Take a shower, comb your hair, brush your teeth, whatever sequence it is for you. To get ready for the new day. The word renew means this. To make young. Something about youth in the body of Christ. In other words, coming to him as what? A baby. 
to be renewed in so far as spiritual vitality is concerned. So there's something that is happening inside of us that's being stirred and renewed. The word mind is this, the seat of emotions and affections, the mode of thinking and feeling and disposition and moral inclination equivalent to the heart. In other words, that stuff that makes that part of you that makes you who you are. Your emotions go up and down. That's your soul. That's your heart. That's that immaterial part of you. What excites you about certain things, it's your soul. It has to be renewed. It says, thus your conscience in opposition to fleshly appetites. The new self, metaphorically, is speaking of Christians who are renewed and changed from evil to good by the Spirit of God. Remember, we said in this lesson that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Your soul, the real you, is sealed. You're different under lock and key. But this is how this new self should look. Verses 23 through 32, it says, It is a likeness of God, holy and true, rid of falsehood, speaks truth, angry but does not sin, doesn't go to sleep angry, doesn't give the devil opportunity, doesn't give the devil opportunity. No longer steals, not afraid to work hard with your hands, so you can share with the needs of others. No unwholesome speech. Uses good words for edification. Doesn't grieve or doesn't make sorrowful the Holy Spirit. Removes all bitterness, wrath, anger, and clamor. Crying out loud. Quit acting like a baby. Oh, you know, I can't, well, you know, if, uh, you know, I mean, that's, <laughs> right, so, so here, here's the, here's the funny thing about parenting, right, and moms, you especially know this, when your child is crying for help, you know that child's cry for help, but maybe early on, they'll fool you, right, when you're a new mom, they'll be, eh, and you're running a room and okay I think he, he or she needs food you know and then eventually your ears grow discernment and said no that's a real cry that's a real cry so many times within the body of Christ there's so much crying like little babies wanting to get our way and here's the weird thing. I've personally learned it starts happening more when you become more knowledgeable of the things of God. Because you think, you know, I know, we know how things should be. So then we start crying and really acting infantile. And here's the weird thing. God, like a father and a mother, is saying, I ain't responding to that. I'm not going to respond to that. But if truth be told, if we got on our knees and truly wept 
and cried out for him for his church like any good parent here run to your aid and I believe what happens in the church so much again causing disunity crying 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 like little babies and God is just saying I'm not responding to that because that type of crying doesn't move my heart But the crying that moves God's heart is the cry for his heart. I'm crying because I want your heart to manifest itself in my family, in my marriage, in my church, in my ministry. Then God moves. slander, injurious, injurious speech, and malice, ill will, and desire to injure. The new self is kind and compassionate to each other. We forgive just as Christ forgave us. Church, to have a renewed mind, you gotta quit, you gotta quit holding on to stuff, and you gotta learn to have a short memory. Because your mind will go back to old things. It's just the way we do it. If you're still holding on stuff from the past, you are inhibiting your mind from being renewed. Because the love of Christ does not keep an account of wrong. And he didn't say what kind of wrong either. He said wrong. And if you want to have a renewed mind and walk a new walk, you got to learn to have a short memory. Because that's what he has towards us. Our new walk can only become evident when we have a change of mind. Because the real change of mind is on the inside, not on the outside. Shakespeare, <laughs> not a Shakespeare fan, but listen to this. He has something that is called the seven ages of man. He compares the entire world to a theatrical stage where all the human beings perform their allotted role given by God. First stage, man appears as a child in the world. As a child, he is helpless. He's a helpless creature. He cries in the arms of his nurse for one reason or the other. He cries and vomits. Stage two, still a child in the world. He goes to school with a bag hanging from his shoulder. He goes to the school creeping like a snail. <laughs> He marches to school unwillingly. Uh, in the third stage of his life, a man plays the part of lover. He grows into a young man full of desires, ambitions, and dreams. He becomes a romantic young man. 
he falls in love. He begins to write sad poems to his beloved. He cannot control his sad feelings. Stage four, man becomes a foul-mouthed soldier. He tries to give himself a formidable look with a beard to, to look the part. He is emotional and jealous. He quarrels with others for his honor and grace. He hankers after temporary and bubble fame. Want to be recognized. Sounds just like it, doesn't it? In the fifth stage of his life, he becomes a judge. He becomes mature and experienced in his thoughts. The heat of youth has completely cooled down and he becomes very realistic. Now he wishes to grab wealth by uncouth or unfair means. He begins to accept bribes and thus adds much to his material comforts. He becomes easy loving and therefore becomes fat. <laughs> his belly becomes round. He eats healthy fowls and chicken presented to him as a bribe. His eyes become severe and he grows the beard of a formal cut. Then in the sixth stage of his life, man grows old. He looks quite ridiculous in his movements. He wears glasses because his eyesight is weak. His shoes become wide for his feet. <laughs> his voice suffers a change. It becomes a shrill and a quivering whistle. However, in the seventh and final stage, the man turns into a child once again. He seems to forget everything. He becomes toothless. <laughs> his eyesight is weakened and he is deprived of taste. He is ready to leave this world. Today, what stage are you in? <laughs> right. But here's the deal. In our walk, our new walk with Christ, there's really one stage. And here's the stage. Therefore, whatever you eat or drink, or whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God. But it goes on. Listen to what it says. Many times we detach verse 32 and 33. Do not offend Jew or Greek, sinner or saint. Do not offend Jew or Greek, sinner or saint, or the church of God. Don't offend her. You offend her, you offend him. Do not offend her. Just as I also please everyone in all things, not seeking my own benefit, but the benefit of the many, so that they may be saved. At the end of the day, our walk and every stage we take in life should be, number one, I live this life always for the glory of God. I live this life always for the good of others so that they too may come to know him, period. And if we are disrupting that in any way, we are in sin. And we live in the old self. If we're disrupting his glory, if we're disrupting the good of someone else, and if we are causing harm to the church of the living God. We're not walking a new walk. 
We need to examine our hearts because the old self is somehow creeping in. Thank you again for listening to our latest sermon series, From Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Through this series, we hope you are encouraged to understand your new community identity. If you want to listen to the previous messages in this series, or if you want to hear messages from other series, visit Commitment Church on YouTube or Pastor Cedric Brown on Spotify, Pandora, or other podcast providers. You can also visit us on our website, commitmentchurch.org. And if you live in the Philadelphia, Delaware, or South Jersey area, we would love to see you in person as well. You can attend any of our services by visiting us at 2 Berlin Road South, Lindenwald, New Jersey, 08021. Thank you again for listening, and have a blessed and wonderful day.